Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We're in this series, we're in week three of our series, Come Follow Me. And as I've mentioned before, the greatest call in all of mankind, the greatest calling was Jesus's phrase when he said to his disciples, come and follow me. There is no greater call. There is, that is at the very essence of maybe what you feel is your specific calling. Pastor, I'm called to do this, to do that. It all comes from those words, come follow me. You don't get to fulfill that calling by God without first being his follower. And so that is the greatest call. Now it's also very simple. It's a very simple calling that we overcomplicate time and time again. When I say we, I mean all over the world, we, as human beings, we have this nasty habit of overcomplicating things that God made very simple. The, the calling is not, I have the right occupation. That's not the calling. The calling is not, my theology crosses every T and dots every I. The calling is not my, I mean, it's all about grace, Pastor Gabe, and it's grace, 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 and that means that I can just do whatever it is I want to do because one time when I was 15, I raised my hand and I said some words that I really didn't mean and I really don't even understand, but I repeated the prayer, therefore I have fire insurance. That's sometimes what we think about God's calling. And that is not his calling. That has never been his calling. What we do, our occupation, may be attached to his calling, but it is not our calling. Us understanding everything theologically and processing it right and judging everybody else that doesn't agree with us is not his calling. That is not his calling. His calling is simply this, follow me. Come follow me. And then he adds something to that at the end. We'll talk about that more next week. And I will make you fishers of men. Jesus' call was leave everything and follow him. And he required that of his followers and they did it. I want to go back to that verse in Mark chapter 1 verse 16. This is what it says. This is the story of Jesus calling his first disciples. He says, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, this is at the very beginning of his ministry, very beginning, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and they followed him. Jesus' call was leave it all behind and follow me and they did. And as they did, for the next three years, they got to watch the son of God live everyday life. Can you imagine eating next to Jesus knowing he created food? Right, can you imagine sleeping in the same area as Jesus. I'd be so scared I would snore. (laughs) 
Can you imagine those things? They got to watch how he responded to people. They got to watch when he dealt with difficult people. And the beautiful thing is the Bible tells us about some of these stories. When the disciples are going, stay away from Jesus. You're annoying. And Jesus steps in and says, what are you doing? Let them come to me. Suffer the little children to come to me. Right? And so they're watching Jesus respond to all of these these situations and they're learning. They listened to how he talked about God. He was describing who God really was. I mentioned this two weeks ago, but if you want to know who God or what God is like, look no further than Jesus. And if you want to know what Jesus is like, look no further than his words. That's how we know God. We know who God is because of his words and because of the life that Jesus led. Jesus told one of his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He wasn't saying he is physically the Father because we know there's a trinity. He's God the Son. But what he was saying was in our essence is the same. You're seeing me and you want to know what the Father is like. You're looking at what the Father is like. I'm showing you what the Father is like. So Jesus does those things, and they're getting to watch this. Get this. They got to watch Jesus pray. I want you to, I want you to let that sink in for a moment. They got to physically watch God talk to God. They watched conversations between God I don't care how great of a prayer your mama was, it pales in comparison. It's not the same thing. They watched God talk to God. It's mind blowing. And not only did they get to watch God talk to God, Jesus taught them how to talk to God. Jesus taught them how to pray. And I just tell you this, a lot has changed since For the last 2,000 years, a lot of things have changed, but a lot of things have stayed the same. And this is what I mean by that. In that day, people would say many meaningless words during their prayer times, hoping that God would hear them because of all of the amount of words that they said, that they were saying. That hasn't changed much. People still say tons of words that they don't mean, hoping that somehow God hears them. Many times, many people prayed things that they didn't even understand what they were saying. Or they said things that they didn't, they didn't comprehend the power of the words that they were saying. They just said them just because that's what their mom said or that's what their dad said or that's what, how they were taught to pray. Pray this prayer this way. And Jesus came and essentially abolished those things and said, let me teach you how you're really supposed to talk to God. Let me teach you how you're really supposed to pray. And how many of you know, if God is teaching you how to talk to God, you might want to listen to what he's saying. You might want to pay attention to that. He taught his disciples, and not only only did he teach them, he modeled it. As I mentioned before, they watched him pray. They learned how he talked to God. A lot of times we're taught to pray, we're told to pray, excuse me, but we're not always taught how. And I want to help you this morning. I want to teach you how. I want to help model for you. How how am I supposed to pray? Because some of you have been saved for 20, 30 years 
and maybe your prayer life is still something you struggle with. Or maybe you've been saved, born again for all of two weeks now, and you're trying to learn. You know that there's something in you that, that wants you to, but you don't quite know how. I want to help you with that this morning. Jesus did such a good job teaching his disciples how to pray that when he died and rose again from the dead and he called them together and he gave them the great commission to go out and to reach the world and he left, they still prayed. And not only did they still pray, they still taught their followers how to pray. What am I saying? I'm gonna go back to Acts chapter two again. Acts chapter two, the beginning of the church, the birth date of the church, I've talked about it so many times. We did a whole series on the book of Acts for an entire year. We've talked about this a lot, but I wanna go back for a moment because on that day, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and filled the church and 3,000 people got saved that day. The apostle Peter got up and he preached the gospel and 3,000 people got saved that day. This is what they did after that. Keep in mind, there was, Jesus was not physically there with them any longer. They didn't have Jesus physically with them to teach them how to pray, to teach them how to read their Bibles, to teach them how to live. But what they had was the Old Testament scriptures. What they had was the apostles and those, their teachings from what they learned from Jesus and what they had was the Holy Spirit. They had those things. And this is how they responded. Brand new Christians, brand new believers. Acts chapter two, verse 42, the Bible says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which is what I've encouraged many of you to do, even last week, we were a part of. And they devoted themselves to prayer. Everybody say, they devoted themselves to prayer. As a believer, one thing is key. One thing that's vitally important to our relationship with God is our devotion of our lives to prayer. Well, pastor, what is prayer? Is it this type of prayer? Is it intercessory? Is it supplication? Is it waiting? Is it con contemplative? Is it what? Let me give you the very simple definition of prayer. At its basic core, prayer is communicating with God. Bottom line. Prayer is communication, it's relationship, communing and communicating with God. That's what prayer is. You don't have to be dressed a certain way in order to pray. You don't have to be in the four walls of the church to pray. You can talk to God anywhere, anytime about anything. Are y'all with me? You can talk to God about anything, anywhere, at any time. But I want you to see something in this scripture. The Bible says that they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves. It wasn't haphazard. It wasn't, I just pray over my food. It wasn't, I just pray whenever I've had a hard day. It wasn't, I just pray whenever my, I have teenagers. I, it, they devoted themselves to prayer. It wasn't something that they took lightly. It was something that they gave themselves to. When, you, when you're devoted to something, you're committed to it. 
You commit yourselves to that thing. When you're devoted to something, imagine if you're devoted to being healthy, what does it do? It shapes your habits, it changes your habits. So when, you're, when there's devotion, there's habits that come attached to that devotion. Otherwise, you fail in your devotion. And so with this, I wanna just get real honest and transparent with y'all this morning. Can we just be honest and raw? Thank you. All seven people that are committed to and devoted to being honest and raw, thank you. I wanna talk about some of the reasons why we don't pray. What are some of the reasons why we don't pray? And I think many of you in this room would say, man, I, I pray, but it's not, I can't really say, Pastor, I'm devoted to it. I can't really say that it's a, such a, it's a big part of my life. I mean, I've started doing it, but I don't know that I'm at that place. These are some of the reasons why. We don't know where to start. If it's been a while and you haven't prayed, how many of you ever just feel awkward when you begin the conversation? Like, I mean, I know we haven't talked in a while. How have you been, you know? <laughs> you don't often know where to start. It takes a, if it's been a little while, you almost feel a little rusty. Another reason why we don't pray is it's intimidating. It's intimidating. At times, you can be around people who have these beautiful, eloquent prayers, and you just think, gosh, I mean, I don't sound like that. I mean, they're over, they're over there going, most benevolent God of the universe who's expanded all of creation in your glorious splendor, and I'm over here going, uh, help. Right? Prayer can seem intimidating, especially when you're praying in front of people. I know people who, I mean, they can pray, they love God, but you ask them to pray in front of somebody, and I mean, they're running out the door. Prayer at times can seem intimidating. Prayer, another reason why we don't is we don't know what to say. We have a hard time expressing our emotions or our feelings to God. Am I supposed to pray this way? Am I supposed to pray that way? I read a book one time that said pray like this. I heard a pastor say pray like this. The guy on TV says pray like this. Pastor, how, what am I supposed to say? Do I, write, do I write out a script? Do I pray a script to God? And here's another one. Last one. Especially for those of you who've been walking with God for a while. I'm too busy. I got so many things going on in my life that it's kind of, it's hard to fit God into it. Think about the words that I just said. I have so much going on in my life that it's hard to fit God into it. Those are some of the reasons why we don't pray. Now let me give you the real reasons why we don't pray. Those are kind of the excuses, if you will. These are the real reasons why we don't pray. Number one, if you're taking those, write this down. We don't understand how much our Father loves us and wants to spend time with us. Like you, under, like you get it, you have a thought, it may be up here, but it's not in here. You don't really understand that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus, not just so you can go to heaven one day. That is not it, people. It's not just getting you to heaven one day. He wants you to have the kingdom of God here on earth. 
He wants you to have relationship with him here on earth. God wants you to know him. And he wants you to know who he is, how he is, what he feels. How do you have that? Through relationship, through getting to know him. God loves you so much that he wants to spend time with you. Well, Pastor, I don't know, I mean, I just think God may be putting up with me. He sent his son to die for you. He didn't send his son to die for you so that he can put up with you. He did it because he's head over heels in love with you. Head over heels in love with you. And God wants to spend that time with you. He wants, that's fellowship, that's connection, that's intimacy. God wants intimacy with you. Not just you showing up to do your religious duty. Not just you showing up to to put in your church clock, clock, there it is, I got my hours in for the day. He wants time with you, intimacy with you. The second real reason why we don't pray is we don't understand how much we actually need him. We don't understand that without him, we, we are not sufficient. There is no such thing, and I'm sorry to tell you the hard truth, there is no such thing as self-sufficiency. You did not get yourself here. You did not willpower yourself into the place of life that you're in. We need him. Every good gift in your life, guess where it came from? So when we don't, when we pray, let me tell you what prayer does. Prayer is saying, God, I understand I can't do this without you. I understand I can't meet these needs without you. I understand I can't even make the right decision on what direction I'm supposed to go in without you. It's utter dependency on God, recognizing you are not self-sufficient and you cannot handle it all. I've said this before, but there's something that I hear people say all the time. I'm sorry, man, you got this. No, you don't got this. You don't got this. We need him. So when you pray, you are showing God and telling God, I cannot do this without your help. I can't provide the food that I need without you. I can't make the decision I have to make without you. I can't love my neighbor like you're asking me to do without you. I need you. Those are the real reasons why we don't pray because we don't understand those things. And if we understood those things, guess what we would do? We would pray. We would pray. I wanna give you a challenge as a church. And Pastor Chris Hodges spoke a message on, a, on New Year's Day here at the church and I thought it was so good and gave a very practical challenge. I wanna continue that challenge with you. I challenged you a couple weeks ago to spend five minutes in the Bible every day. Five minutes in the word of God, just opening it up and reading it. Some of you can do much more. Some of you, that's a stretch, but I want to challenge you to do that. I want to challenge you to take 10 minutes of your day and pray. 10 minutes of your day, just set that time aside. Well, pastor, isn't that punching the clock? Isn't that what you just talked about? No. I want you to develop a habit. For some of you, that 10 minutes may turn into more time. If you miss that 10 minutes a day, don't quit, don't give up, don't go, God doesn't love me, just get up the next day and do it again. 
But I want you to start somewhere. I want you to develop a habit of spending time with God. Everybody here, every person in this room. And I want to show you how to do it. I want to teach you how to do it. I want to model it for you. Now, some of you may say, Pastor, I'm way past that. Like, I've been saved for many, 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 many years. Thank you for the nice, cute challenge. Let me ask you this. Are you consistent with your time with God? Or are you hit and miss? You could be married for 40 years and still be a bad husband. Are you learning how to do it the right way? And if you do have this marvelous, incredible prayer life, praise God. Who are you helping to develop that in? Are you helping someone else learn from what you've learned over the years? Are they eating from the fruit off of your tree? Pastor, how do you pray? Glad you asked. I want to tell you, I want to walk you through how I do pray. Because I hope to model. It doesn't mean you have to pray exactly how I pray. I simply want to model for you what I do. I tell you, the first thing I do, I pray daily. Every day I pray. I spend time with God. Every morning, I'll tell you, I wake up and it's almost the exact same routine. I wake up. I drink water, I may drink coffee most days or green tea or whatever. So I, that's a, I have a habit of doing those things to wake myself up and then I spend time with God every single day. It does not change. My prayer life is a consistent one. And what I mean by that, I have a set time that I'm going to spend with God every single day. Every day, it's a set amount of time that I'm going to spend with him. Whether it's an off day and I want to sleep in, whether I'm going on an early morning trip and I got to be somewhere before the sun comes up, it does not matter. I've committed that time to God and he knows he, Gabe Smith is going to be in my face that morning for X amount of time. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what that time is because I don't want you to feel like I have to do that and I don't want you to look at it and go, that's it. I mean, you know, it's not, about, it's not about really the amount of time, it's about the consistency of being in his presence. It's about touching heaven. And I'll tell you this, it doesn't matter how I feel either. There's some mornings I go to pray and I feel like, God is moving in my life, this is incredible, this is awesome, Lord, thank you for these miracles. There's other mornings I'm praying, were you with me yesterday? Did you see that? (laughs) I'm not feeling very spiritual today, but I'm with him and I'm in his face every single day. It's consistent. Another part that's a big part of my prayer life, I normally begin my prayer time with worship. I don't have Damar and Jenna at my house as cool as that would be. I don't have Cody yelling in my ear. So I cut on Spotify or Apple Music or I, I don't recommend YouTube because the commercials may hinder your prayer life. But I cut on Spotify and I just worship on my own. I just talk to him and I spend time with, I spend that time praising him and worshiping before I get the, my request into him. Are y'all with me? Another thing that I do very consistently in my time with God is I listen 
I listen for what the Holy Spirit is wanting to say to me. I know sometimes, again, the pressure with our prayer life is to feel like I got to get in and I got to tell him everything and I got to read, I mean, I got I to read my prayer list to him. I got to tell him all this stuff on my mind and then that may take four minutes. Now what? I build in a habit of listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit during my time of prayer. And there are times that he will point out, hey, I didn't like your attitude yesterday. God, you're right. I'm sorry. Our son, I noticed this. Yes, sir. Or I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Keep fighting. Keep going. This is what I want you to do. Yes, sir. Other moments he reveals things to me about y'all. Things that I'm praying for in your life individually. If you get a phone call randomly from me, it's not because I'm that good. It's because at times it's going, call them, check on them, pray for them. Right? I've built that into the habit of my life, of my prayer time. I also intercede. And what do I mean by intercede? I pray for other people and other things. Part of Jesus' prayer that he taught us to pray was your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is he teaching us to do? To pray the will of God into existence in the earth. That's called interceding. So when I'm praying for you or praying for your marriage, or you saying I'm having a hard time with my kids or my marriage is on the rocks or my health is, when I'm praying for you, I'm interceding. And I have a list, I do. When people come up to me and they ask me to pray for them, I used to, I mean, just open confession, I used to lie. And this is how I know I would lie. I would say, absolutely. And then I would forget to. And then I'd go, oh man, they told me that to pray for that. So now I have a list. So when you come to me with a prayer request, I'm pulling out my phone and I'm adding it to my list so that I can make good on my word to you, but also that I can bring the, the request that you're bringing to God and join with you in faith. Create a list. Create a list. And then I also ask him for things in my life. I never forget hearing a man who I love him and I respect, but he said something that I thought was just so dumb. He said, man, I just don't pray for myself. I don't like to pray for myself. I'd rather pray for you. And that sounds holy and that sounds spiritual, but that is false humility and pride if I've ever heard it in my entire life. Because this is what you're saying when you say that. I don't like praying for myself. I'd rather pray for you. This is what you're saying. I'll pray for you because you need God's help. I'm good. I can take care of my stuff on my own. I don't really go to God about my needs. No, I go to God about my needs. I go to God about my wants. I go to God. God at any point can tell me yes, which I hope he does for all of my prayers. He can tell me no. Not giving that to you, but I'm still going to bring in my request. And he can tell me not yet. Yes, sir. But I'm going to bring it to him and I'm going to ask him. So as you're praying, as I'm challenging you to pray, I want you to pray like that. I want you to bring these things to God. And lastly, I want to read this to you. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, is Jesus taught about prayer. This is what he said, and hopefully you even see some of what I just talked about in this prayer. 
Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. What is that? That's worship. That's worship. May your kingdom come soon. In other parts of the gospel say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What was that? That's interceding. That's praying for God's will to be done in the earth. Then he says, give us each day the food that we need. That's showing your dependence on him. God, I need you. I need your help. I can't do this without you. I can't even provide the food that I need without you. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That's repentance. That's dealing with relationships in your life that need to be made right. As we forgive those who sinned against us. And do not lead us into temptation again. That's our dependence on him. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be what was Jesus teaching? He taught us how to pray, but then he taught you this, stay with it. Keep praying, stay in the face of God, be consistent, devote yourselves to prayer. Don't pray once and say, I tried that. Stay in his face. God, what about this? Father, what about this? Daddy, I need this. Lord, please provide this. God, please help my kid. God, please help my spouse. God, please help my marriage. Stay with it. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. That's consistency and that's devotion. Are y'all with me this morning? Close your eyes. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the model, Jesus, that you gave us to follow. And I pray that you would not only inspire your people to pray, but that you would give them a grace, impart to them the grace to pray. I pray for every single person in this room that you would spur them to wherever they're at in their prayer life to go deeper, to be more consistent, to stay in your face, Father, to learn to hear your voice, to learn to quiet their souls to hear your voice to show their utter dependency on you. And I pray for the spirit and the culture of prayer to permeate our church, that we would not just be a people who pray, but we would be a people of prayer. We would be a people who not only knows about our God, but a people who knows our God.
And I thank you for that. 